Back in the fall, after an auction, I went to one of those nice cocktail bars, Flatiron District. I think it was Rainslaw, to meet my friend John Zapolsky for a drink. You may remember John from yesterday's podcast. Anyways, at that cocktail, I met a gentleman by the name of Greg Eisenberg. And the three of us just had a wide-ranging conversation, and Greg and I, when it was time to finally go back home, we shared an Uber and talked some more. Sometimes you just meet somebody once and you get a, get a feeling that there's somebody that you're going to be spending more time with and that you have a lot to learn from each other. So fast forward a couple months, record the pod with John, post it to Instagram, as sometimes you do. John posted to his, and I get a screenshot of that from Greg. I say, hey, Greg, you want to jump on the on the pod? All in under 24 hours, probably less than 12 hours, we were able to record it and get it together. And the thing is, with these podcasts, I've really enjoyed hearing what other people have to say, what they're thinking about, how they're processing all of this. But with Greg... I got too excited about my own projects. And so he was really, really generous to share his wisdom with me. And we talked through a lot of really cool tech stuff. And this is a guy that if you ever have an opportunity to pick his brain, um, I, I know how lucky you'll feel. So... Sit back and enjoy the following conversation. It's a, it's a real keeper. And music, as always, by Matthias the Wild. Hey, buddy. Greg. It's the man I'm looking for. How's your Friday going? Pretty damn good, you? I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders right now. I've had a phenomenal day so far. Really? What'd you do? I filed my taxes for 2019. That's big. And early because of the uh, extension. I, I am, but with the $2 trillion stimulus package that just went through, there is a chance that having my taxes in the hands of my accountant will benefit me if having the 2019 ready allows me to apply for unemployment benefits. Right. And so I actually went into the PDF of the law and started looking through section 2102 Mm -hmm. to see if I could determine what exactly those benefits are. But it won't become clear until the stimulus package resolutions match up with New York State because New York State is actually the one that pays it out. But mm-hmm. um, it's going to be better than nothing, which was the current state of my financial affairs. And I'm happy that I get a I get a cut of that two trillion. Yeah, I mean, you deserve it. You're a hardworking American. I'm a hardworking independent contractor, and us independent contractors don't have the same sort of uh, backstops that Bullshit. corporate America lemmings 
legitimately do. I'm a, I'm a free spirit, Greg. I mean, I respect that about you, and I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, corporate America get a lot of the perks. Um, 500 billion plus. <laughs> when, you know, I mean, there's an argument that they should be helping out uh, people like you. And I think that one of the approaches that, you know, the Senate took was, hey, let's just give money to everybody. Let's try to do as little fighting and restricting amongst each other as possible, and we'll figure out a way to pay for this later. Because any one slice of the pie is going to be both so big and so small at the same time that we're going to... Like figuring this all out would be better. We just we just need to get it passed. Right. So I think a lot of people threw stuff in there um, that in most political times would not have not have gone uh, so smoothly. Yeah. Um, but here we are. So well, what what's your Friday been looking like? Um, I feel like a lot of calls just in general. Um, I'm calling you from Toronto, Canada, where I am because New York didn't seem like the safest place to be. So I think that was a smart call. Yes, I think so too. I feel much more comfortable here. Um, although the vibe in Toronto? Yeah. Is it shelter in place? It's shelter in place. It's been like that for probably over two weeks. Um, so they took it really seriously here, which is great. Um, so it's shelter in place, but I don't know. You can still like get food delivery and it's fine, you know? It's just not a huge deal. Yeah. It's just, uh, the, the cases, I mean, there's still a lot of cases here. Um, there's like, I think Ontario has, well, I mean, not that, not as much as New York. There's like 700 cases, I think here. There's 10 million people who live here. Toronto is not a small place. No. So I think they're, Canada's, Canada has done a pretty good job from what I've seen so far as to like taking it seriously. And are you, are you generally optimistic? Like what's, uh, actually how about this? Let's go, let's go back a little bit. Yeah. And would you take, our listeners through a Cliff Notes version of your professional trajectory from McGill uh, onto your social services and how you were acquired by WeWork and the interesting timing therein. Sure. So um, I'm from Canada originally, um, from Montreal. I as a teenager had always been building websites and apps and that sort of thing. Um, I spent the last like 10 plus years building what I call vertical social networks, which are basically internet communities that are popular for a particular like niche. So I helped build or built with a great team. um, One of the most popular financial communities that was called Wall Street Survivor that got acquired. I helped build and founded and CEO'd a company called FiveBuy, which was a video discovery app to help people find like the most interesting uh, funny videos or cannabis videos or whatever it is. 
Um, and that was acquired by StumbleUpon. StumbleUpon at the time was one of the largest. It was basically an app to find internet content around like different topics that you love. Again, like vertical communities. When I joined, they were doing a billion page views a month. Um, that was acquired and that got acquired. Then I started something called Islands, which was a Slack, but for college, so a messaging app for college. Uh, raised a couple million bucks on an idea. I was acquired by WeWork. I am an advisor to growth advisor to TikTok, which is like a video, like super popular now. Um, so just like, what have I been doing? I've been like finding interesting communities and thinking about like what kind of internet software you can build to bring them together. And that's where I, which yeah. is a pretty heightened position to be in right now. Yes. Right now, it's an interesting place to be in because you are physically not able to go places. So having like internet and virtual worlds are your best bet for social interaction and stuff like that. And what social, what existing social communities do you think will gain in strength mm -hmm. with all the sheltering in place in which are not necessarily set up to grow in this environment? So there's a few like interesting threads that are happening right now. One is um, just like small video chats. I'm sure you're seeing this, like a bunch of like uh, Zoom chats, you know, our, our co our, our mutual friend, John, is like hosting one at 8.30 tonight and he invites all his friends, like virtual happy hours. So I think virtual video chats, be it for fitness, be it for socialization, like that's, that's um, obviously going to benefit. Zoom is like the new social network. Um, you know, it used to be OK Boomer, now it's OK Zoomer. So... <laughs> I think what you're going to see is like the Facebooks of the world are probably Facebook Inc is definitely looking at that and being like, I want my share of that time spent. So I think you're going to see a lot of activity, be it from the big Facebooks of the world, also um, new startups that are interested in bringing people together through video chats. So that's one area. The other area I think is in live. So like Instagram lives, Facebook lives, that sort of thing. Um, people want to broadcast um, and to be, you know, if you're shelter in place, like, and you know, John Mayer, you love John Mayer, you know, and you can see him play in his house in LA, like that's pretty cool. So I think after, you know, those two areas, basically after, like they, they still work after like post COVID-19. So I think those are like the winning areas live in small group video chats. So you'll, you'll see, you'll be in a world in the future where you're not gonna, you're gonna use your apartment for a gym. As an example, you might do yoga every morning, you know, in, in your house instead of um, at the gym. And then the losers, I think are the exist, you know, really it's like, on one hand, it's the existing social platforms are the losers, but so like Facebook is a loser, but they also own Instagram. 
So they, they did a good job of buying Instagram for a billion dollars back in the day. Um, steal that is now. Yeah. Yeah. It is a massive steal. But at the time, it like people thought, to be honest, people thought uh, they were crazy. Um, giving up 1% of their market cap for an app with 40 million users at the time registered. So they weren't even active. So who knows? Could have been 20 million active. Um, seemed like a lot at the time. But they had the force. And, and I've spent more time in the quarantine or sheltering in place on WhatsApp than any other, another right. Facebook property, which they got. They got that for $17 billion? Yeah, I think it was around $17 billion. It was 10% of their market cap at the time. And I think some, I think that raised some eyebrows as well. But God, it just it seems it seems so integral to my daily life. I just wish its desktop application was a little bit more robust. Yeah, I think um, agreed. Um, I think WhatsApp now, in hindsight, looks like, like very much like a steal. Um, I don't know what Facebook's worth today. Maybe like five hundred billion or four hundred billion. So you know, do you take a few percent of your market cap to like, this is the way I see it. It's like with Instagram, it's like Zuck looked at it in what year it was like 2012 or whatever, 2011. He was like, okay, there's this app, Instagram. It poses the largest threat to my business. This could be the new social network. Does it make sense to give away 1% of my company to squash them? I mean, absolutely. Yes, the number's a billion dollars. It's a lot, but like, it just makes good business sense. And the same with WhatsApp. And, you know, one thing I've been seeing in my own life, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, is everything had been trending mobile for the last five plus years. Yeah. And desktops, especially, had seemed sort of antiquated. But with everybody home, stuck in their apartments and their houses, I have seen a reversion to desktops like it was 1999. And those few friends who don't have desktops uh, are kind of annoyed now because they don't have uh, – their their uh, video chats aren't as – easy to, um, to kind of wield. And, and do you think that there's going to be an, a, uh, a, an outgrowth of more stuff being designed with desktops in mind? I think so. I think that's a good point. Like I, I, uh, I heard, you know, from some friends of mine at large internet consumer companies that like desktop traffic is through the roof. Um, so you know, and I think what happens is like basically what, what's happening right now is there's an unprecedented culture shift that's happening, whereas people's behaviors are changing. And although post COVID, like a lot of people will go back to quote unquote normal, they're still going to be, I mean, this is taking a while. Like, for example, me, you know, Toronto city of 10 million people, two weeks of, pe of people not leaving their apartments they're gonna you know they're gonna uh like people are gonna get used to being on desktop and i think uh 
you know, there's a huge opportunity for people to create desktop related products. Um, because, uh, the people have gotten used to it. So, yeah. Will there be opportunities for outside developers to say, go into Instagram, for example, I want to be able to uh, stream DJ nice's Instagram live feed over my desktop through my speakers. And then even though I downloaded that Chrome extension, uh, Instagram live videos don't play through the desktop. I just was like, how is that possible? Right. And in the same vein, WhatsApp, uh, you can do WhatsApp calls with mul multiple people through, through mobile, but there is no functionality for video calls through WhatsApp desktop. And that just seems like such a missed opportunity. So will outside developers be able to to fill in those gaps or do you think that's going to come from what have what has uh transformed into kind of behemoths now in corporate whatsapp corporate corporate instagram i think what's ha i mean the the short answer is the behemoth the big like facebook's are gonna like understand better than anyone what's happening right now and under they're they're really smart um and they're they're not gonna want other developers to take advantage of this new world. Like that's their game. Their game is like, how does culture change? What are the new formats that people want? Is it stories? Is it on desktops? Is it videos? And how, how can they, how can they be there first? Um, and if they're not there first, how can they catch up as quick as possible? So I, yeah, I think it's less, it's not very, uh, it's unlikely that any outside developers could take advantage of that. But I think what outside developers can do right now is think about how, how they can create new social products quicker, faster. Um, now, like right now, like what are, what are products you can create right now that bring people together? What would that look like? And how can you, how can you make it so that Facebook, you know, only catches on in 12 to 18 months. In terms of your own productivity and what inspires you to build companies, uh, you don't have to go into details, but are you currently working on something during this time or are you using it as an excuse to recalibrate and sort of chill out for a little bit? Um, so I'm like basically business as usual. Actually, Islands, which was my uh, my previous company, was mostly remote. Like we were based in San Francisco, but a lot of people just worked remote. So I feel very like it, was, it wasn't 100% remote. Like we would meet up a few days a week kind of thing. Um, but I do feel comfortable like being at home and just kind of like cranking through stuff. So I'm using this as an opportunity um, it, it honestly feels like it's a really long weekend is probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so it's that feeling of like, you know, not as many emails as usual. What's like the highest value work I can do. Um, and just make use of this like calm, calm lake or calm, you know, this this weird yeah, kind of time. It's, it's, a, it's a glassy surface. Yeah. Might as well get out at 6 a.m. and do some uh, some water skiing when right. you don't have choppy waters to deal with. Exactly. To that metaphor way too far. No, but it's true. That's like that's how I see it. 
and I've I've actually noticed a few of my friends like there's kind of like two two approaches like or two ways that my friends have um, I guess they've dealt with this terrible situation that we're in. One is just kind of like complete despair and and the despair then leads to like I'm gonna spend the next like ten hours a day watching Netflix or like drinking or just like not being productive um and then the other has been like no matter good or bad like you lost your job or didn't lose your job like you're gonna like take advantage of this time like kind of like you like we haven't caught up but i just like from the outside it feels like you're like okay how do i use my day most productively what can i do like you started a podcast like you're doing things you're out there you're you're making and that's that's cool. I haven't been this busy ever. <laughs> I lost an obscene amount of work, uh, financially speaking, mm-hmm. and and I, you know, it was a forced work stoppage, and I've been waking up every morning and cranking all day long on various endeavors, mm-hmm. whether it's picking up the phone and calling clients to let them know that they're trying to find solutions to their COVID-related problems. Or I think this is the, I want to say the 29th podcast interview I have conducted in the last, I'd say, 16 days. Wow. I mean, honestly, like, hats off to you. I think, uh, you know, if anything, if anything, you know, if anyone takes anything from our words, is like be more like CK in that sense. Um, <laughs> uh, let's let's wait and see. I think that I, I think that there there might be some structural things people can implement. You know, one key thing for me, which is not uh, I don't think has been the trend, is that I've been sober this entire right. time. And the thought process behind that was. If I open up the possibility of enjoying a beer or two, that could snowball in a very sad and destructive and non-productive sort of way. And so I I think that the self-imposed sobriety combined with, you know, I've maintained the exercise, I'm meditating twice a day, you know, two 20-minute sessions, one one right when I wake up, one in the afternoon when I start to get a little bit tired. Um, and then I think converting anxiety into you know, just the psychological trick of the more, the more you proactively go after things in, in these trying times, I mean, you know, I'm not the one to, to recognize that it's a really good way to beat back um, you know, any despondency or depression that might creep in to these, you know, really unprecedented, uh, crises that we're facing. Right. Well, I think you're, you're looking at it like your framework at least is the right one, which is like, I want to use this time to be as productive as possible. What does that mean for me? For me, it means these following things I'm doing them, you know, which which a lot of people don't do. But a lot of people don't like think about a a framework, b actually do them, and c stick with it. Something that I just 
popped in my mind that I'm going to pitch you on. You can be like, CK, yeah. this is a friendly call. It's not a work call. Um, but I have – so you know, you know my line of work. I'm a charity auctioneer. I, I go to these uh, events. I stand up in front of audiences of anywhere between, let's say, 60 people and 2,000 people, uh, and I raise money. And it usually takes – anywhere between 10 and 35 minutes. That's kind of the, the, the range. Um, that has all been canceled indefinitely. People are rescheduling, but I think it's optimistic, overly so perhaps. And I, two weeks ago, was going online, emailing people, doing the research to try to figure out what a virtual gala would look like. Mm-hmm. And there were some examples out there. They had a very DIY feel, uh, not super interactive. People were trying to do it over a combination of Zoom and YouTube and Google Hangouts. And oftentimes the most successful efforts were for school fundraisers. So a group of parents coming together to broadcast and the DIY vibe uh, was totally appropriate. And, and they were successful, and there was an esprit de corps that led to good fundraising. And so I was trying to figure out, well, what are the options for my clients? And, and what I found is that there wasn't anything super customizable. And the more I reached out to people uh, with subject lines like virtual galas, uh, the more that people would come back to me with solutions or ideas surrounding an auction because I'm an auctioneer. But what Mm -hmm. I realized was that for my clients, the auction component of it was actually... Might be the cherry on the Sunday, but you need a couple of scoops of ice cream and some whipped cream and some bananas. And you, you know what you need? You need a bowl and a spoon mm-hmm. um, before you can even get to that cherry. Um, again, I like to extend metaphors farther than they probably should stretch. But the idea was that I went from thinking about virtual galas to thinking about virtual venues. Because mm-hmm. what we actually lost was a place where we could safely convene. And there mm-hmm. was nothing online where, where, we could, where we could all gather that 300 of us or 2,000 of us or 30,000 of us could come together in common cause in, right. in real time and interact. And so you know, what I've been trying to talk to people about is what – who is out there trying to build virtual venues, not only for charity galas, but for churches and for concerts and for conferences where, where you can actually, you know, instead of going to uh, Capital uh, over on Bowery or going to Cipriani mm-hmm. down on Wall Street or going to the Javits Center um, or going to... I mean, even like even like a sports arena, like even going to Madison Square Garden, you're going online to a portal that is giving you an experience that is not the same, but is enhanced in some in some ways to make up for the deficits of not being there in person. Mm-hmm. So the, the 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 answer is some people, quite a lot of people, but not enough people are focused on this. There's a company that I'm invested in that is launching soon that is trying to build virtual spaces like basically how do you they're taking their whole thing is like a club how do you take a club and bar and replicate it in virtual spaces um which is cool um i think the ones that are going to win are uh, like when you're like you know how do you take madison square garden versus like tripiani's like those are all different versus like you know 
a small in-home gathering. I think, you know, the key, like the people that are going to win are going to be people that really, like really dial into their use case and build something specific for that vertical community. Going back to vertical communities actually is like, what is the the wants and needs of um, if you're going to create, like you want to recreate a, a club experience, like what does that really look like? Um, the term right now for that is, I heard it the other day. It's called cloud clubbing. I love it. Which is kind of amazing. Why not? Why not? Um, I mean, the yeah. success of DJ Nice's live stream, like I could totally see how you could create an environment where he's spinning in LA and people right. are dancing all over the world to it. Yeah, exactly. It's happening. I mean, it's happening a lot in China, cloud clubbing where they're keeping the uh the venues open the dj goes in there and there's like thousands of djs throughout or maybe even yeah maybe even tens of thousands or hundreds um like djing and the it's just big and, and you pay you basically like pay for access um and then there's like a virtual experience that allows you to meet other people which is kind of like what you do at clubs and so you talked about the use case as being one way to dive deep um, and get what you need built. How does someone like me convince engineers and investors that building out a vertical for charity galas is going to have a financial PR, uh, spiritual benefits? for for those putting the time effort and money toward that end some so starting with like team like how do you build a team to build like a great team to build it because you're going to need that to to compete uh is going to it, i mean the good news is you know some of the best companies in the world airbnb uber etc start started in 2008 2009 um talent is just like more accessible when people are losing their jobs um so as the economy likely gets worse i think you'll have an opportunity of people being open-minded to get involved in new things especially startups so that's team and i think like the, like tactically how do you do that like you you know it's getting your name out there right like do live streams do podcasts tweet like everything at your disposal, just like, if there's a microphone, you should grab it because it's sitting right here on my desk. Yeah, there you go. Grab it and, and, and talk because that's, that's how you're going to get your name out there. And, you know, ultimately when it comes to startups, it's a game of like, who's got the most capable team to iterate quickly. And, and that's what it comes down to. When it comes down to investors, that's like a bit of a different story because you're in this environment in 2020 where, um, there's, you know, basically there's less appetite for risk, but these venture funds have raised money and they're incentivized to deploy money because they, like the way venture funds work is, let's say you raise a hundred million dollars. Uh, you usually get 2% man management fee, uh, on that to run it, to run your fund. And then a 20%, it's called carry, which basically means like the profit. Uh, after the uh, there's exits from those startups. So you essentially do want to spend your money so you can raise a new fund and a new fund and a new fund and a new fund. 
because you'll get more carry and you'll get more management fee. So venture capital is not going to die. Um, but I think the businesses, the types of businesses that do get funded will be different. So as long as you like position it in a way that like, okay, the world, the world has changed. Here's my vision. Here's my team. It's great. I think raising money is possible. You know, in that is a, a tactical, tactical approach that I hadn't even considered until now. Uh, I had actually hoped that through my contact list, I would have been able to run up some ideas uh, along the plaque, the, up the flagpole of some existing companies. I, I just thought to myself, you know, that there's no way that I would be able to kind of do this from scratch or semi-scratch. Let's see who I know at Microsoft. Let's see who I know at Amazon. Let's see who I know at Apple and Google and Facebook. And and so I had I had taken these kind of vague ideas and, and cast them out that way and you know got a little bit of traction. Had people answering my emails, calling me up and saying, "Hey, you know, can you tell me more?" Um, but uh, do you think that that is a fool's errand uh, trying to get an existing company to take? take these ideas? Um, do you think I'm, I'm better served by trying to find a, 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 by actually building my own team? I think there's, if you really believe in your, what you're doing and your concept, I think the first thing you should do is like, first, first thing you should do with any idea is like refine, like create a 10 to 15 slide deck, like a power PowerPoint presentation that talks about like the problem and the opportunity and, why now and you know your vision basically like a mini business plan and then once you've like very you're really really refined it and you believe in it then i think it's like okay why am i the best possible person on this planet to be ceo of this thing which is like a real question you have to ask yourself honestly um like you know or you look at it and like say i'm not the best possible person but i'm gonna figure it out and that's like you're okay with that the other That's thing, kind of more where I where I end up because I, I don't necessarily think of myself as CEO material, and I just I just want this portal made so I can right. help my clients and get back to work. I mean, the other option, honestly, is like making a, like going and researching like who like like you're doing is like what other companies, not just like Facebook, but like what companies even on the startup side are thinking about this sort of thing like for all you know there's like a team of like some of the brightest people in the world three people in san francisco who've raised 10 million dollars and who've got a similar vision and like you're the fourth missing piece and like i'd rather own you know it's a common saying right i'd rather own one percent of something that becomes a billion dollars than 100 percent of something that becomes maybe nothing it's ultimately you're playing a probability game so if you could like, I think one thing that a lot of people don't often do because there's this romantic idea of being an entrepreneur now is they don't actually like look at like who else is out there on the early stage. If you look at it, a lot of people made a lot of money being, you know, one through 200 or 500 at some of these companies. Or one through, was it 25 at WhatsApp? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, uh, Instagram, going back to Instagram, they sold, I think they had 13 employees when they sold for a billion dollars. So 
Yeah. And I'll be honest. I mean, I, I wasn't even thinking about this through a entrepreneurial lens. I, yeah. it, it's always been the end point of allowing my clients to fundraise. Right. And, and, and so I don't have, I, I have a lot of ego. It takes a lot of ego to get up on stage in front of a group of strangers and ask them for <laughs> money. Like I'm, perfectly well equipped to do that with the inflated size of my self-regard. Um, but I know myself well enough to know that CEO is probably not my destiny. What I know of being a CEO, which is limited at best. Um, but, but if there are teams of people out there working on this, like how, how does one who's not part of that community tap into that uh, that engineering prowess. Well, I, there's a famous Ryan Graves who became was the COO. I think he was a CEO actually at one point of Uber in the early days. There's a famous um, like he became the CEO COO because of a tweet that Travis Kalanick, the co-founder of Uber, posted, and he was like, "Hey, like." If you're a hustler, I'm looking for an intern based on this new cool idea. And he reached out, like, he was like 21, 22, I don't know, like young. Um, and he became, he, he figured it out and he got the internship, which led to, like, they were just like, hey, like, here's an idea. Basically, like, run with it. And he figured it out. That was Uber. Along, you know, so I think. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So I think, like. Um, if you're out there, like in your example, and you're kind of like, I, I think it's two things, basically. Number one, it's like getting, you know, like we talked about getting yourself out there and reaching out to people and having no ego about being like, Hey, my name is CK and I'd love to talk to you about whatever. Um, and then the second thing is like, yes, you, you're not a engineer, um, uh, or, or whatever, but you have a unique, a very unique point of view and a ton of experience in something that could be technology enabled, but they need to know, like the engineers need you just as much as you need them. Right. Cause like they have to know what to enable ultimately. Um, and that's where you come in with your years of experience. You got the wheels turning here. That's, that's, that's for gosh darn sure. <laughs> it, but that's kind of, that's kind of the fun of this current environment, right? Yeah. Is that is that I would have never been thinking through this at all if, for one, my work hadn't been canceled. Because I'm trying to figure out a solution for work being canceled, right? right. And two, if, <laughs> I mean, the reason why you and I are actually speaking at this very moment is because I finally got our mutual friend John Zapolsky on the phone last night. We recorded a great conversation. And then yeah. you saw that posted to his Instagram and shot me a little note. And I was like, yo, why don't you get on? Just because yeah. we met for cocktails a single time. Uh, God, was that October? Something like that, yeah. You know, and we just, we just enjoyed ourselves. We had a really good time and we shared a, shared a Uber back to Brooklyn. Yep. And, you know, the serendipity of how all those elements come together I guess is equally random to the former COO or CTO of Uber uh, responding to Travis's tweet, right? Yep. But he was there, right? Like, 
Ryan was online at that time and he reached out like he had a frame like that's what it comes down to it's right like what is the framework and what are the actions and are you going to continue doing it and like he had a framework he was like I'm going to reach out Travis is like a like he had previously sold a company um he was well known I'm going to reach out I'm going to go there I'm going to figure it out and he he did it and like you know it's about being at the right place at the right time but it's about putting yourself in the right place and uh taking advantage of your time it's really it's really quite interesting and uh, you know as long as long as i don't get distracted or uh, I, I don't let the the shiny lights of other um you know of, of early examples because i, I think that that, that that uber um proverb that mm-hmm. that uber tale uh can be double edged right it can it can both inspire you to take a chance but it can also make something that is one in a billion seem like um fairly certain and, and fairly easy to achieve yes yes and then i think you know you have to be realistic too. Like, and you know, people have bills to pay and, and I think, uh, you also need to, you know, you gotta, you gotta like treat it as like, it's a, you're gambling, right? You're gambling with your time. So I'm such a bad gambler. I lose (laughs) every single time I sit down at the table. I love it too. I used to have a bit of a, a poker addiction. I got kicked out of my house by my mother when I was 22 right after college because I was playing too much uh, Hold'em at the at a local bar. I mean, so you know yourself, you know, and I think that's, that's key. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am such, I am such dead money. Like, I, I, I might as well just get dead money printed on my forehead in bold Sharpie. It's just, I don't think I've won playing cards in years but it's still so fun isn't it it, it i mean actually, i actually i played a virtual zoom game the other day which was actually super fun wait you, you played poker yeah. uh over zoom yeah so like we all downloaded zoom like we all had zoom we hopped on a zoom and then we went on poker stars and played with fake money and played poker and it was pretty damn fun and, and, and did you did you have any any actual st- so it was yeah it was like so you, you, you had put stakes. like a hundred bucks I mean it wasn't much but like people put between a hundred and two hundred dollars and awesome yeah it was great we had a great time as mentioned earlier I'm dead money uh, can I please get an invite yeah. to the next game you can I also invited John uh, so yes I will invite you. That would be, did you, that sounds, I mean, that actually sounds like an incredible use of um, this self-quarantine, this sheltering in place time. Um, but I guess, I guess if it's with the wrong people, that it could be a little bit self-destructive, like the, the 10 hours of Netflix followed by right. uh, Bala Jim Beam. This is a good group full of venture, venture people and founders and... So it's a good, it's a good crew. Uh, I think you would enjoy. Are Are you a poker player? Um, I wouldn't. I mean, I like playing poker. I wouldn't say, you know, I've been playing for as long as I can remember. Um, 
yeah, I, I wouldn't consider myself, you know, I like playing poker. That's what I'd say. For, are you familiar with the uh, math and physics research facility just outside of Paris called IHES, the International Haute uh, Etudie um, Scientifique? I think it's, I think that's what it I do, translates I'm not. to. Like, like John Nash, John Nash there, studied there for a while. It's got a, a you know, five or six Fields medals winners, uh, a couple Nobel guys. Um, we had their gala in November, and we auctioned off a um, a a poker tournament uh, for a home game with a guy who is uh, he's a Wall Street guy, but also he's got a couple of World Series bracelets. And we really hoped that Jim Simons um, was going to be our uh, was gonna, we were going to be able to interest him, but he instead bought a bottle of tequila for a thousand dollars and left, and we weren't able to tap into his uh, twenty eight billion dollars plus. Um, which was unfortunate, but you know those are the, those are the sorts of random things that we see uh, in the charity world. Is uh, sometimes sometimes it's just a poker game that, that I can I can auction off the opportunity to get into. I mean that's pretty it's pretty damn cool. <laughs> it's it's random. Uh, I just looked at the time and realized I've taken up the taken up forty five minutes of of your afternoon, and uh, I'm so thankful for that. This is. <laughs> this is a this is a strange time that we're living in. It's strange, but you know, it's strange. You're right. That's the best way to describe it. But you know what? I'm I'm enjoying myself. The sun is shining. This is the third podcast I've recorded today. You know, filed those taxes. Went for a five mile run. Um, I feel like, like I said, I'm just firing on all cylinders right now. And you have given me some ideas that I honestly hadn't considered as I was uh, blazing through um, you know just a bunch of intellectual bandwidth trying to find solutions for my clients and it's gonna it's gonna give me something to, to chew on over the weekend good well give me a call this weekend I'd love to chew on it with you I, I really appreciate that and I look forward to losing between a hundred and two hundred dollars to you at the virtual poker table sometime soon it's the least you can do if I'm going to chew on an idea with it. You are absolutely right, and I think that could be a, that could be a really, really good investment on my part. So I, I really look forward to it. All right, same. Take care. <laughs>